Cult Podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence and is not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously. If you like our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Cult Podcast or follow us on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show for show updates. And please rate and review our show on iTunes. If you've been in a cult and you want to tell us about it, email us at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require monetary or physical sacrifices as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organization in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us again, we have Andrea Cassetta. Yay! Yay! And it's Armando's week. It's my week. Get it, girl. Uh, all right. Uh, let's let's just jump right in, guys. Today we're going over uh, the garbage eaters. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the garbage eaters, a.k.a. the brethren, a.k.a. the brothers and sisters, a.k.a. the Jim Roberts group, a.k.a. a whole bunch of shit. Uh, a.k.a. More na- P. Diddy, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, <laughs> exactly. a.k.a. Sean P. Diddy Combs. I was going to say more nicknames than Lil Wayne, but... Uh, oh, that's right, because he is Wheezy F. Baby. Yeah. Oh, my God. The other day with my roommates, uh, we got really drunk and we read an entire list of all of the Wheezy F. Baby and the F is four right. stuff. Because he said... <laughs> He says, like, Weezy F Baby and F is for fire. Weezy F Baby and the F ain't for fear. Weezy F Baby and the F is for phenomenal, which is one of my... Weezy F Baby and the F is for friendship. Friendship. My favorite one is... Is he... that a real one? No. Oh, no. Weezy F Baby and the happy. F is for fentanyl. Uh, yeah. yeah. He does do that. My favorite one is uh, Weezy F Baby and the F is for a bunch of shit. <laughs> That's my favorite. I don't have time to list it now. I'm in the middle of a song. You caught me at a bad time. I'll send you a spreadsheet. Uh, so they, yeah, the garbage eaters. Uh, they go by many names, and I will explain why. Uh, first of all, our sources for today's episode are reports on counterculture movement in America by Boundless, articles archived by the Paris Henry County Chamber of Commerce, the Denver Post, MarineParents.org, the Chicago Tribune, the Concise Guide to Today's Religions and Spirituality by James Walker, and the Encyclopedia of American Religions by J. Gordon Melton, which, by the way, anyone who likes reading in deeper into this shit, both of those books are really good at covering stuff, Um, as well as the Lexington Herald-Leader, Union Tribune, and Watchmen.org. So, this one starts with a little boy, little little bat, little little bit of both boy, Uh, little Jimmy T. Roberts, James T. Roberts. What does the T stand for, though? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) T-Rex. T-Rex. And the t-, t stands for phenomenal. <laughs> and the T is for phenomenal. Uh, Jimmy T. Roberts was born in 1939 in Paris, 
Tennessee. Oh. Hey. Yeah. I thought it was going to get real metropolitan for a second, nope, and then not no. Not even a little bit. Paris, Tennessee is known for its own 70-foot Eiffel Tower. Hot. Well, only 70 feet. Only 70 feet. That's rough. The one in Vegas is bigger than that, I think. Yeah. And that's just part of a hotel. Yeah. They have a 70-foot Eiffel Tower and claim the world's biggest fish fry. <laughs> and the best part about that was it said world's biggest fish fry and the next to it citation needed. No! <laughs> no. <laughs> like they're just calling it. We got no idea if it is or not. This is the world's biggest podcast. Citation needed. Yeah. Number one show in late night. Don't Google it. Citation needed. Uh, that's going to be my new slogan. Citation needed. I like <laughs> that it. That way I can say anything I want. So Jimmy T. Roberts, born in 1939, he grew up really poor. His mom worked at a drugstore, and his father, whose name was Coy Roberts, he didn't really have a job. Wait, what kind of fish were they using for the biggest fish fry? <gasps> Catfish? Koi fish? Oh. Koi fish. That, that makes more sense. Yeah, I mean, technically yours makes more sense, and koi fish would be disgusting to <laughs> But now I like to think Why that... Why is this shit orange? I like to think that one fish got away. On. One fish just got away and put on a suit and was like, I'll live a life. Blah, 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 blah. His mom just raised him and kept feeding him. So it's like when they say biggest fish fry, it was just one fish that he's like, but we went to eighth grade together. Like, you know, he became sentient. <laughs> So it's a, not a good movie pitch? Okay, cool. Great. He had a beautiful tail. <laughs> um, so his dad, the fish, Coy Roberts, uh, he never really had a job outside of a part-time preacher at a really small independent church in Tennessee. Part-time preacher, full-time swimmer. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Follow Jesus Christ. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, Jimmy's life was molded by two things. Poverty and religion. He grew up really poor, and he also was, like, one of six siblings. So it was one of those things where it's like, we're really poor, and then there's so many of us that right. we're just... There's nothing to do. I don't I don't know really how else to explain that. And then also, uh, he's really... all they had to eat were those little flakes. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> blub, blub. Blub, blub, blub. Okay. Uh... He was he was really religious, and uh, sometimes he even was able to preach sermons at the small church where his dad was a part-time preacher. And uh, Irby Reed, who's the owner of the church, uh, was talking about a sermon that Jimmy gave when he was 15, where he said, and this is something that always stuck with her, Hell is hot, and there's no ice water! <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's accurate. Right, right, right. It's also, one of the things that they noted is that he was like a lot more charismatic and enthusiastic than other preachers at the time because he was like kind of a child. I've always said that children have the most spiritual wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We should definitely always follow children. See, I disagree with that 100%. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like children can get really excited about shit they don't understand. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. 100%. The only good children are like of the corn, I think. <laughs> I think those are the best children. Um, so Jimmy struggled in school 
he graduated at 19. And the way that I know that he, he struggled in school is, is because, because he graduated at 19. Well, that's a big sign. <laughs> that's the top one. But Red even, flag. <laughs> even with those two extra years, he graduated 258th out of a class of 269. <laughs> oh, God. So there was, there was only like... What is that? Ten people? No, that's not right. Like Eleven people. Like grass types. Wow. <laughs> I'm making fun of how dumb this guy is, and then I just did math wrong. <laughs> there was eleven people worse than you. Also, how bad for those eleven people if like all the th- you're sources- dumber than the guy who eat garbage. <laughs> yeah. He was also the only one of any of his siblings to graduate, too, by the way. Rough. Yeah. He was so he was the smartest of the six, I guess. Smartest of the dumbest. Uh, I mean, there is something to be said for the socioeconomic issues surrounding being that poor and having to decide between going to work or finishing school. I don't need this shit. I'm going to go work at the fish fry and then get a part-time <laughs> job at the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I mean, also remember it's 1939. This is right before World War II. How many of those probably joined the army? Oh, How many of them went to point. work in the factories? Like, or just got th- married because they was women. Ex- well, I mean, because this is a time when you could drop out of school and quote unquote get a career and that could be your career. Well, fun fact, after graduation, he joined the Marines. No shit. Yeah. Uh, he joined in 1958, which is three years into the Vietnam War. Oh, bad timing. Yeah. Girl, he, no. As far as I know, he didn't necessarily serve or do any kind of combat. He did work his way up to sergeant, which oh. I I looked up. Um, there is like, there's like private and then something else and then sergeant. So it's like, it's like three ranks up. So it's good, but it's not like he didn't like work his way up to like all the ranks you know well and there's also and i don't know if this was the case at the time but i know now if you go to college and then join the marines you come in higher yeah yeah so yeah, you yeah, come yeah, in yeah. ranking yeah he didn't he he just came in as a private barely graduated high school and then <laughs> w- worked his way up to a sergeant ex-marines who served with him uh said that he was a drill instructor which is really interesting because it's literally his job to indoctrinate people into yeah. like a new form of living yeah and because that's literally what they do is break yeah. break you they down. break them to rejoin them as a group yeah you think you're tough? My father was a fish, god damn it. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Sink. Hell is hot and there is no ice water. Life is sink or swim. <laughs> and it's easier to swim if you is a fish. <laughs> it's just like my father always said. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Uh, he left the Marines in 1961. That's when he moved to Chicago and became the manager of a wig shop. That Ooh, hey. s- specifically catered to flight Fish. attendants. Oh, wait, flight what? Attendants. I'm sorry, what? A wig shop that specifically catered to flight attendants. Was this a thing where most flight attendants were bald? I have no idea. <laughs> or required wigs for some reason? This is this is a weird portion where there's this, and then there's the next thing after this, where it's like I heard a lot about it, and then I kept trying to find like more evidence and the more i dive the more i found like more details about it but it didn't it didn't get more clear (laughs) so the first one he was it was like he was a beautician and i was like what and then it was like yeah he was a beautician and then also he managed a wig shop and i was like oh that's crazy and then i was like yeah he was a beautician who managed a wig shop in chicago and i was like okay 
okay. And then it was like, yeah, and it also specifically catered to flight attendants. Are we, are we talking like, I mean, because when you see flight attendants from this era, they all have a specific look like the Pan Am girls. Yeah. yeah. Do we think that they were maybe wearing wigs to look alike? That's what I yeah. think. That's okay. the only thing that makes sense is that they were specifically like making that like, I will break you down. I will make you into a flight attendant. <laughs> I don't like this. We all get the Maryland. No arguing. <laughs> just the idea of like a drill instructor going into beauty. What? <laughs> I just, I like now I'm picturing like all the girl flight attendants, very specific, but then also a guy flight attendant in the same way. <laughs> I didn't like this. I didn't. like it's uniform. <laughs> I didn't, it wasn't my choice. Uh, this is how I had to come dressed to work. I will say that wigs back then, shockingly realistic looking. Really? Apparently, so my grandmother still has all her hair, wore plenty of wigs. It was just kind of more commonplace, I guess. Hmm. Was she a flight attendant? No. In Chicago? <laughs> no, she was like a secretary at a doctor's office. Oh, yeah, that was a whole separate wig shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Um,. He also, while he was in Chicago, this is when, again, this is another thing where, like, I found something where it said that he fell in love and then it ended horribly. So I was like, I kept, I kept trying to dive deeper. And the only things that I can confirm are this. While working at the wig shop, he fell in love with a Greek American woman who he was once quoted as saying, turned his world topsy turvy. Great. And I was picturing this being like, I fell in love with her and I thought she was the one, but it turned out she was just a pile of hair. Like, that, was, <laughs> that was how I visualized it. So I'm glad to find out that it's an actual person. I'm yeah. imagining like the straw man, the wicker man, <laughs> but it's just Stay hair. <laughs> so the relationship ended badly. That we do know for sure. And like many other young Americans, Jimmy dropped out of life and began traveling the country, uh, eventually meeting group, eventually meeting groups who were born from the Jesus movement. Wait, did their relationship end because she insisted on using Greek yogurt? <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. It was just because she had a full head of hair that couldn't come off. Both of these are upsetting. <laughs> Um, it was because she was human and not a fish. <laughs> she had a fishy odor, but it was deceiving. <laughs> so oh sorry, God. that was so gross. I know that it's petty. I know that it's petty, but I broke up with her because she never gave me a blah, blah, blah job. Uh. All right. All right. Uh, so the perfect thing to follow that joke is we're going to talk about the Jesus movement a little bit. Um, let's talk about Jesus Christ. Let's talk about... You, you and me. I. <laughs> there we go. That was good. Let's talk about all the pair things and the other things. Stuff. In our lives. Yeah. There we Got go. It. Nailed it. Nailed it. There we Brought go. Brought back. Uh, so in the 1960s, an anti-authoritarian and youth uprising began, which we call the counterculture movement. Um, this is similar to what I was talking about with the Soviet Union on the true Russian Orthodox Church, is we are talking about a time that is ripe with people going, um, hey, everyone in charge is fucking full of shit, uh, every religion is full of shit, 
I want to figure out why I'm supposed to be here, so I'm going to go find out my own thing, and it's like perfect breeding ground for somebody to take advantage of all of those things. And many people did. This is our cult, like, this is our mega cult period. This is Manson, Jonestown. Yeah, this is happening. Children of God. This, the heyday of uh, the Brethren of the Garbage Eaters is around the same time as Manson, and even uh, happens alongside the Manson murders. Mm -hmm. So the youth began to reject from the cultural norms that their parents held, especially stuff like segregation they were against. They were against the Vietnam War. They had different ideas on sex. They were pro-women's rights, and they were anti-materialism for the most part. All of which, at its base... Good stuff. All I feel right. Like that's something we find with most cults. We were like, I get it. Sounds great. And then it goes south. Well, not this wasn't the cult. This was America's oh, youth. Oh, oh. This yeah, was yeah. all of us were like, well, most of most of the youth in America was like, hey, you guys suck and ruined our country. So we're gonna want to make it better. Which ironically, they came around and made it just as shitty. So hey, good job, guys. <laughs> Jesus movement was part of the counterculture movement. It was a push to return to the original life of early Christians. They wanted to do simple and frugal living with a focus on their religion. Uh, they had a big belief in miracles, signs, wonders, and faith healing. The mainstream aspects of the Jesus movement brought us contemporary Christian music as well as like more charisma and pizzazz to the whole. Yeah, they 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 added like drums and guitar to the uh, to the choir. If and that jazz makes hands. sense, yeah, it does make sense. Um, and vocal teams with matching haircuts and shoulder pads. Exactly. <laughs> they all got their outfits from a wig shop in Chicago. <laughs> um, but it also created a few Christians dedicated to the teachings of Jesus, uh, more literally so than most churches were at mm-hmm. the time, especially. The counterculture movement appealed directly to Jimmy, who began to denounce materialism and began to hate the world because he said it was taking more than it had ever given to him. I mean, he's not wrong, uh, but then again, mostly we just give fish, like, a plastic (laughs) bowl and some flakes. So this is when he basically, he starts traveling around and he drops out. And while he's traveling, he starts linking up with these people that are part of the Jesus movement. And that's when he becomes part of a small fellowship of Christians in Missoula, Montana. By 1971, he became the leader of the group, and some former members said that the reason that he was able to do so was leadership skills that were almost definitely picked up from being in the Marines, as well as his piercing, mesmerizing eyes. Hello. Yeah, They're that's... big and bulbous. Mm. Are they? Like a fish. <laughs> Almost exactly like a fish, actually. <laughs> Dark like a shark. But bulbous like a but, fishy. But bulbous. Think of like a goldfish and how it just kind of looks off into nowhere because it only has a memory that lasts like five seconds. Blah, blah, blah. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy getting control of the group kind of led to a rift and they sort of kicked him out but he did take a small group of followers with him uh to start a his school, own if you will yeah a school. <laughs> <laughs> and his new fishies became known as the elders of jimmy's new fellowship uh here's where it kind of gets complicated so the group doesn't have a name technically speaking right. they don't go by anything um they call themselves brothers and sisters so their unofficial name became the brethren or simply brothers and sisters 
That's what they used. Um, the hierarchy of the cult is very minimal. There's Jimmy, there's older brothers, there's middle brothers, and then there's like recruits who are just brothers, I guess. Also, sisters were women. Women were sisters. The brethren followed Jimmy, who became the elder or brother evangelist? 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 Brother evangelist? Evangelist, brother evangelist. The belief of the brethren was apocalyptic. They were technically a doomsday cult. And I say technically because unlike other doomsday cults who say that the world is going to end sometime in May 2008 or some <laughs> shit, they believe that humanity was already living in the end times. Oh. Uh, so it, it you have a lot more like leeway because there's no time for failure yeah we're already there and what they're doing is they're purifying themselves so that when uh they finally die they can go to heaven but they're just reframing current reality instead of saying like oh there's gonna be like a dark yeah right right exactly which reframing reality is almost more dangerous because it's easy to look at somebody saying giving you a specific date and being like that's a lie but it's a lot more difficult to essentially reject your entire accepted reality. When I was okay, this might you might want to cut this out. This might be a total tangent, but when I was a kid, uh I made a friend, only one, in summer camp and she convinced me that she was a centaur in another dimension. And uh, I just believed her because she was my only friend. <laughs> I think she was trying to say that she plays RuneScape. That's what it sounds. How old were you? I was seven or eight. Okay. okay. Like I was old enough to be like, this girl was fucking crazy. But also, I was like, maybe young enough to be like, I don't know everything. Maybe there are other dimensions. Yeah, and maybe like in for those real. But the way, like, she had like so many convincing, like, well, this is how this works, and she had like figured out this whole backstory that I was like, I don't know. It sounds wrong, but maybe she. I don't know. Maybe. So yeah, she reframed reality beautifully. Is she like a sci-fi writer now? I hope so. I don't know. She's <laughs> a weird kid. Yeah. She, believed, she also believed that Santa Claus was an elf. Slash I mean, demon. The slash demon part is a little. Some fundamentalist Christian sects like eschew Santa Claus. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I did not they grow throw up their with... shoes at him. Hey. Uh, hey. I eschew you. Shoe. Um, for example, I did not grow up fundamentalist Christian, and we did not have Santa Claus mm. because, to quote my mother, I didn't want to lie to my children. I. Uh... I should mention, too, that, that this guy, Jimmy, he did grow up fundamentalist uh, Christian, yeah. it sounds like. Oh, okay. So he, he had those things. And also, his family kind of lived poor, so I feel like growing up, they were like, well, this just brings us closer to God, you know? It almost oh, seems yeah. like uh, it was it was something that was ingrained in him as a kid, is like, this is what puts us closer to God. We don't have anything, so all we have is God. Mm-hmm. And this is something, we uh, we watched that movie The Witch the other night, um, where if you haven't seen it, it's about a family that gets banished from a city and has nothing, and their crops are dying, and they're going through a lot of trouble, and all they have is God. And so... The, they say a couple times that this is just bringing them closer to God because all they have mm-hmm. is their relationship with God. They literally have nothing. Right. So um, that's I think that's kind of a running thing with uh, people poverty? that were... Yeah, with mm-hmm. poverty. Um, yeah. Now we're going to get into the things that they believed uh, directly in a segment that I like to call... 
Now that's what I call scriptures. <laughs> it's uh, it's just the hits, including such bangers as Matthew nineteen twenty nine, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Uh, basically saying, like, if you give up everything for me, then in the, in the, um, afterlife, you will be rewarded a hundredfold with, you know, heaven. Right. Matthew 6, 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, and nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? I don't know. I don't know what that one means at all. Are you reading the King James Version? I think so. Okay. That explains a lot. Yeah. Timothy 6, 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewithin content. Which I did. I do know that. It's just... you. You know, you can't bring it with you. Yeah. So all that you have is your relationship with Next God. Next time, for your own sake, go NASB or NIV, bro. I don't know what any of those things mean. These are the things that they preached, uh, like, directly. Like, their direct version. Yeah, okay. there's a couple other scriptures that they use as the base for their religion, but these are the main ones that they preach. These... I find it interesting that they left the back half off that one Matthew 6 one, where it's it's basically, like don't care about the things that you have or what you're going to wear or eat because the Lord cares even for the sparrows and the animals of the field. Don't you think that he will also take care of you? They did have that one in. Okay. I just cut these are These were the three that I thought were the most pertinent. Okay. Um, I maybe should have left the back half in because now that I read it, I didn't know what it was talking about. I just like that it says ye a lot. Ye. <laughs> I thought it was promoting Yee. the new album Yay. So. Yay. Well, it's kind of interesting whenever people quote that as a means to like be poor and it's like, it means don't get bogged down with material things. Don't let that be your only concern because God will take care of you. Trust that he has a plan for your life that is good. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just like, um, this preacher always said, uh, in Tennessee, blah, 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 I'm definitely not a fish. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Uh, the brethren traveled the country and they started recruiting new members along the way. Their members were typically idealistic youths attending colleges, mainly because they set up their camps around colleges. Many of the members uh, are the cult are ideal candidates for groups born from the counterculture movement because they have such similar stories to Jimmy's. A lot of them, when I was reading like personal things that happened that made people leave, a lot of the the um, common themes were the main one heartbreak you know somebody breaks up with you you don't know what to do you don't know what you're feeling you don't know how to handle it and this group comes along and offers you a sense of belonging and a sense of one ship with with everything and you go yeah okay and you join you know uh another thing that they had was um stress of their future a lot of these people had a really promising future uh almost all of them had like some kind of scholarship or a really really good future ahead of them like they were doing some stuff one of them was like super on his way to being like an olympic skier or something like they all of these people are not stupid they're all 
really, really good people that just uh, were at the wrong place at the right time or right place, right time for this movement to like sweep them up. They also, again, they kind of want to break off from their parents. So it's just the best way to do it. Fuck the parents. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck your parents, guys. Yeah, have sex with your parents. Don't do that. Yeah. That's children of God, not this one. Oh. Oh, Real talk. God, too real. Too real. Most of the most of the members left behind a promising future and a hefty amount of material possessions. Once the members were part of the group, they lived a life of celibacy, extreme devotion to faith, rejecting modern comforts, including medical care. And it's something else uh, that I read is when they join, they sell all their stuff and they give the money to the cult. But I also read a bunch of stuff that was from a different perspective from people that had left and told uh, about about their side of the story. And uh, if they needed medical care, like really bad, they could go get it. It was really up to them. They were like, yeah, you shouldn't. But if you need to, like, who gives a shit? And sometimes they would sell their stuff and a majority of the money would go to materials for um, preaching and then materials for sewing their own clothing together. Uh, but then anything that they didn't want to give, they would just be able to keep and they could do whatever they wanted with their own money. So it's not as bad as like um, the the Yellow Deli cult where it's like you literally sell all of your possessions and now you own nothing. It was more of like, yeah, give what you want. And it's also another thing worth noting is Jimmy did not... It wasn't... It wasn't like they were supposed to be living one way and then Jimmy was riding around in a Rolls Royce. He was there with them. Yeah, he was right there in the shit with them. He was doing this um, more so because this is what he believed. He be- he truly believed mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And while he was not necessarily a great person, he was somebody that did do the things that he preached about. Okay. So there is that to be said. They also, um, they never bought anything because they don't work. So they were, became experts at scrounging around for food and they amassed, quote, mountains of edible food and supplies from dumpsters and trash bins, which is why they got the nickname the garbage eaters. Raccoon people. Mm. A lot of people didn't like the garbage eater name like the families of people who ran away or the garbage eaters but (laughs) you eat out of a garbage can you're gonna get a couple names thrown at you did anyone call them raccoon people because that's basically okay we'll cut that out that's cool yeah (laughs) to like sum it up is uh stan avery who's a former member of the cult who left the cult and is now like out he said in meeting them in some ways it's like walking right into the old testament most of the people in the group, if you met them yourself, you'd say, if this, if these people aren't of God, then I give up. Because it really is. They, they are truly devoted to the things that they believe in. They even adopt, like, monk-like clothing. The men wear long t-shirts down to their knees. The women wear long t-shirts down to their feet that are made by the women. Uh, They don't take care of their hair. They just, like, let it be. So they have really long hair and, like, really big beards. Um, And it's just really funny because they all look like uh, 
like I did when I used when I was going to sleep as a kid. You know, they're wearing the the jammy shirt. You guys ever wear a jammy <laughs> oh, shirt? Oh yeah, 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 sleep yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want the queer eye guys to come and be like, "Look, this beard isn't working. These long t-shirts, they have to go." Like, I just want a like a makeover the cult. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> make your mama proud. Take that shirt two sizes down. Just have some pride in your appearance, as the Lord intended. <laughs> I think they would hate that more than anything. <laughs> Women in the cult had a very, they, the the thing that I've seen a lot is being described as traditional roles, which they just take care of children, prepare food, sew clothing, wash stuff. Um, they have just a very, like, basic way of looking at women, which is kind of shitty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, well, if... But the men aren't really doing, I mean, like... They're also saying, like, well, we don't have... No one has a job. So it's not like they're like, well, women shouldn't be in the workforce. It's just like, well, yeah, no one's doing anything. Right? Women were meant to, like, take care of the fort, basically. And the men were paired off in twos and threes and sent out to preach and recruit new members. Oh. Yeah. I found a couple things of, like, women going sometimes, but it's almost entirely men going out and doing, like, the recruiting and the preaching. Interesting. Um, and that was, like, their job. They were supposed to get more people to come back with them. They were actively seeking new members uh, at all times. Also, if you joined and you were single, you almost always weren't allowed to marry because it was too late. They said the hour was too late, which is like, well, it's the end of the world. Why do you want to get married now? It doesn't matter. You're going to die. Hmm. Um, children who joined with their parents, so they didn't really join. They were, you know, part of the, the cult. Children weren't allowed to play because laughing and dancing and other forms of celebration are reserved for the return of uh, Yeshua Jesus. Jeez. Yeah. That's horrible. Also, something worth noting is um, there is some kind of, like, parallels between these people and Orthodox Jews. Okay. Like, they, they, they like, Yeshua is the name for Jesus, which isn't necessarily a Jewish thing, but... Do they spell it correctly, or do they spell it the crazy 12 tribes, um, so they, Israel? They spell it, way. um... Y y y y y y y y y y y y e s h u a. Wait, do they really? No, no, no one, no one should do. But e s h u a. So truly, the the Jewish version. Yeah. Okay. And they they call that's Jesus, and then the term for God is Elohim. Okay. Yeah. So those are correct. I would say. Yeah. That, but that is that is what they do. They also something that I learned. They hella respect Orthodox Jews, and they say that Orthodox Jews will be reunited with Jesus and allowed into heaven at the end of days. Interesting. Mm. Even though Orthodox Jews do not believe in Jesus. Although no. that's a fairly common, depending on the denomination of Christianity that you are in, most Christians, I would say, believe that Jews get into heaven also. Yeah. Because they're chosen. These people also don't really seem to hate anyone. There was no That's instance good. of me finding them being, like, homophobic mm. or... I mean, they, they're, they're... You can make the argument of misogyny, but it is also the 70s, which isn't a past, but it is more normal than not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they... they but, I, yeah, I couldn't find a single thing of them hating anyone except for people that tried to be dicks to them, really. Hmm. Um... They also didn't allow graven images, which is, you know, like images of God because they Idols. could be destroyed. They weren't allowed to create images either. That was another thing. They were allowed to color things that already existed, but they couldn't create new images. That's very strange. Coloring book Jesus. 
they couldn't do it if it had Jesus. <laughs> Aww. Uh, I know. And the one thing that I did find that was fun is singing was a part of their nightly gatherings. Okay. So they did have that in common with the Jesus movement. Also, um, they like, just start out with a mic like, just a small town girl. <laughs> just call and respond. <laughs> Reading off a teleprompter. Living in a lonely world. <laughs> I'm just, just picturing this as karaoke. Going blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, just a city boy. Uh, well, here's a here's a cool fun thing that was happening at the same time. A lot of other more fucked up cults. Col- oh yeah, tons, tons, tons. Col- cults that were happening at the same time, including this is around the 1970s, like early 1970s. In 1969, the Manson murders happened. Yeah, something that kind of ended like the hippie movement completely. Right. And so now all of these groups are all seen as cult. Any new religion is under huge suspect of being as dangerous as as the Mansons. And so this created the anti-cult movement. Um, What if they got dune buggies? What would we do? (laughs) They would be unstoppable. Oh my god. (laughs) Uh, The ACM, the anti-cult movement, was uh, comprised of family members of cultists, former cultists, medical professionals, and even some religious groups, mainly Jewish people. Interesting. It, it is weird how often Jewish people came up in this mm-hmm. story um, with, like, they seem to be fine, and the brethren seem to love Jewish people, and then also I did not know that Jewish people were so anti-cults to the point of, like, they're almost a part of every anti-cult organization. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a way, it's it's interesting because Orthodox Judaism is very in some ways cult-like because they yeah. do stick to themselves they are communal there are very strict rules there's also i mean there's even like there's a word for outsiders like goyim like yeah. it's a it's mm-hmm. an insulting thing to be like how dare you speak to those outsiders they're not one of us right um but if you were to look at more modern progressive judaism it would be very much the opposite where they're very open and in a way Probably, I would say, one of the more accepting Judeo-Christian faiths. Yeah. That essentially an idea of barring people who do not believe the same as you is not really kosher with them. Yeah. To use a horrible analogy, but yeah. The ACM was behind the push to rescue cult members, deprogram them, and return them to civilian life. That was the goal. Uh, the movement also influenced police and various law enforcement into helping them. It was like a huge thing where when all of these things were happening, all of these really destructive things, everyone went, this is a problem. We're solving the problem. This can't be a problem. So everyone was pretty on board. And uh, it kind of fucked with the brethren who weren't necessarily doing anything wrong. Uh, the first thing was they, they, they set up a camp outside of Oregon State University. And the cult was raided, and every single member of the camp was arrested and jailed. Jeez. Without, like, exception. Every single one of them even was arrested. Even the kids? Every, even the kids, yeah. That's so weird. Well, and this period in, in I guess, cults, like, anti-cult movement also is kind of a little strange, because anytime they 
try to retrieve people from cults and return them. They kidnap them. Yeah. And then put them through, like, reprogramming. It's very traumatic. And a lot of times people would go back to the cult. Yeah. Because that experience was so bad. Well, it's because it's it's also, like, they didn't totally understand. I was doing a little bit of research into the anti-cult movement, which is something that we might want to do, like, an Mm -hmm. episode on. Because... They were, in their own way, they were going, these people are brainwashed, these people are being made to be evil, so what are we going to do? We're going to fucking bust in, yeah. kidnap them, and then brainwash them back Again, to Again, yes. Which is not how, you, you're just Double breaking them more. <laughs> yes. Well, and it also just makes people distrustful of any sort of authority figure or any other voice that isn't the cult, because the cult is what gives them comfort, and then you're tearing away their entire support system and telling them that that's not valid. Well, and in many ways, you really can't you really can't drag someone out of a cult. They need to decide to leave on their own. It's much like an abusive relationship, which we cover a lot. The way for them to get out and stay out is that they need to make the decision that they need to be out. Yeah. And... Stan Avery, the the member that we talked about earlier, he he remembered this happening, and he said uh, this had a very real, dramatic, galvanizing effect on Roberts, on Jimmy, the leader. Yeah. Uh, it cemented in his mind and the mind of the cultists that the police were the enemy, right? Which is never an opinion that you want to have uh, or that you want to hear, I guess, unless you're like uh, N.W.A. That yeah, is I was gonna say, cool. unless you want to sell some hit albums, uh, yeah. In 1975, Arizona police raided a camp near Tucson, Arizona, while looking for a man who dropped out of his pre-med studies and joined the Brethren. The way that they knew that the man was there was because the man's wife had tracked him down to Arizona and convinced the police to issue a missing person warrant. So they bust in, in the middle, like the night like pre before dawn they bust in uh and they force the brethren to hand him over and he goes to a cult d programmer and it's just a horrifying moment for them yeah also there was a tragedy um when the brethren was traveling in a truck carrying 32 of its members and it overturned <gasps> and most so it killed a baby <gasps> oh my oh, no. god it wasn't the fault of the police, but it was like the need to travel was kind of used as a blame and a catalyst for mm-hmm. hating uh, the police. And uh, run-ins with police, distraught family members, the anti-cult movement, all of this stuff caused Jimmy to make new regulations on the group, including a ban on communication with outsiders. Uh, a former cult member named Alan Larson says it wasn't his intention at first to be so hardline but after you get slapped upside the head a few times you start avoiding the person slapping you yeah which is i mean at its core it makes sense in order to help members stay hidden from their family the cult began to travel nomadically in 10 cells of about 10 members each uh so they were no longer one massive group they were split out into 10 groups of like i said about 10 members and they would travel all over the place they camp across the u.s sometimes they go into mexico sometimes they go into canada uh oh canada oh canada (laughs) The only good Canada is the not French Canada. <laughs> it all has poutine, so it's all good in my book. Oh my god, I fucking love poutine, it though, is really, dude. Yeah, poutine is good. the best. 
No, I want poutine. What poutine, about French poutine. Poutine, age, dream. Poutine is great <laughs> because it's just. Poutine is great because it's the Canadian version of carne asada fries. Yeah, I yeah, love that's that. exactly what it is. Yeah, it's like America really needs to get one of these things. Uh, American fries are just chili cheese fries. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, we do have one. I love this. <laughs> I love this so much. Fries really unite us. As yeah. A, yeah. North America is great. I'm going to go ahead and say it. All I, the countries here. Because of the medication I'm on, have not had a potato in almost a month. And, <gasps> and this is making me like so hungry right now. You poor bastard. I know. It's so sad. I can't imagine what I would do if I couldn't eat potatoes. Um, I mean, it's surprisingly easy. Oh, is it? <laughs> you just constantly order only the sandwiches and not combos. <laughs> So I was going to say, it killed Ireland, man. <laughs> um, no, it's, 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 it hasn't been so bad. The not drinking Diet Coke has been way worse. Can you drink vodka? No, I can't drink any alcohol. Oh, no. Yeah. That made my But I'm alive, hurt. though. Like, that, that's yeah. the trade-off. <laughs> that like, is... Alive. <laughs> <laughs> Alive, drunk, eh. right, yeah, yeah, even yeah. Stevens, even Stevens. Yeah, yeah. Um, in order to throw off families looking for their children, <laughs> I'm sorry to just jump back. Right <laughs> in. Uh, in order to throw off families looking for their children, the group would uh, basically that you could send a letter when you joined to tell them where what was going on, so they didn't worry as much. But what they would do is they would take that letter and then they would send it all the way across the country and then they would postmark it from there and then somewhere where you've never even been. Oh, and so that your family can track you. Exactly. Oh, man. And this is something we're getting back into my quickly growing to be my favorite part of the any speculation part. zone? Speculation zone! Yeah! I think... <laughs> that is the new theme song. Um, <laughs> I think that... Jimmy T. Roberts was somebody in charge of training Marines for combat in the Vietnam War. The Viet Cong, who hid in plain sight and also were not based in a one location. They were people that were all over the place and were so hard to find because they weren't there wasn't just like a like the marines There's would no have base exactly yeah. we would have a base and that's where we set up shop the Viet Cong were just everywhere and it was guerrilla warfare and it was so hard to find them and that's one of the main reasons why we lost Vietnam is we just could not keep up we couldn't find them we didn't know who the enemy was plus there's so many people named Charlie how do you know if it's the right one <laughs> <laughs> love it um, it, it was, so I think that he honestly took a cue out of what he learned that the enemy was doing and doing successfully, mind you, yeah. he was able to replicate it in sort of a way so that he could hide his own members. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything to back this up, but it is, I, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that speculation zone. Speculation zone. Sponsored by Fries of North America. <laughs> <laughs> Um, specifically the potato part. <laughs> uh, communication between the group was handled by a deep network of mail drafts and predetermined payphones as well. So they, oh, they were shit. really deep about, like, they did not fuck around. Mm -hmm. And they're also still, like, they've been known to be the hardest group to come in contact with because they don't want to be found. Are they still yeah. around? They are. <gasps> 
they are still around to this day, and they're just getting more and more secretive. And they're getting better at it, too. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would assume at this point, with so many things online, they're off the grid. They are. They are, they are also, they don't yeah. have a website. They right. do recruit people, but they're not... They're not doing it um, the technological way. They're doing it the old-fashioned way. They're yeah, going around preaching. Exactly. Um, Jimmy used to use New York as a home base for himself mm-hmm. uh, as recently as 1996. Um, because so 30 years ago. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, boy. Yeah. Is that... It's yeah. like a little over 20. No, 20. 22. 22. Haha, we're all done here. Are. As old as Mondo is. Okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I hate being young. Um, he used New York as a home base because, and it sounds like a joke, but because of how easy it was to blend in with the Hasidic population. That makes sense, though. Yeah. Like, it, it also, like, did he also use Los Angeles as a, a place? At one point, as far as I know, yeah. Yeah, mid-city. They, they yeah. liked being out west. Um, they also, I, it was just easy for them. Also... Does the group, like, move locational a lot? All then? the time. Oh, okay. They don't stay in one place. They they move frequently, and there's ten different cells, so they all move around uh, in a way that is determined by the leader. Where you go, who you're with, all is determined by Jimmy. What if... What happens, I mean, like, if you were married before you got in the cult, does he break apart no. marriages or families? No, no, no. If you were married before, he has still has the sanctity of marriage. Also, there was a, a story that I read of a member that eventually left on his own free will, not uh, of his own volition, I should say, not um, kidnapped or deprogrammed. Mm-hmm. He was there, and he explains that you were allowed to ask to be married. It was just, for the most part, the answer was no, It does. it's too late. But if, if you found love and, and you brought it to Jimmy, he would just go like, uh, yeah, all right, that's fine. Like, if you want to. Yeah. Sure. And I don't give a shit. Yeah, it was the same thing. Like, he, he would, he didn't necessarily need your money and he didn't need your control. There are stories of him loving the aspect of controlling everyone's lives, but he also, it's hard to get information on him in the cult because none of them want to talk. Right, right. They, they, they refuse to talk to the media anymore because um, they're, they draw connections between the way that the media portrays them, literally calling them garbage eaters. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they pull connections between that and the persecution faced by early Christians. Okay. Mm. And they once, in an interview, ironically, when somebody said that, uh, one of the members said, and we will be persecuted until the end of time. They truly believe that. They believe that that everyone's out to get them. And it's mm. a horrible way to think. Yeah. And uh, one of the worst things is they're still here. They are still here. They're still around. Do they yeah. do any sort of drugs, psychedelic drugs or anything like that? Nope. Okay. They're not They're not drug addicts. And that's the other thing is that family members are conflicted because when they talk about missing their family members, one woman, one mom went... Um, it's so hard because I know he's not out there doing drugs. I know he's not out there doing criminal stuff, but he is ruining his life. Yeah. And it's it's awful because at its core, he's with a bunch of people that care about him. He's with a bunch of people that all they want to do is become close with God. Um, they're not hurting anyone. Also, <clears throat> they get permission to camp in the places that they camp. Sometimes they find uh, houses or apartments or big properties with like that, that are not being lived in, and they'll go to the county office and they'll find out who owns it, and they will go and ask, hey, can we live here 
And in exchange, we will do upkeep on your house. Mm-hmm. We will perform chores. We will make sure that everything is good. We will clean up after ourselves. And we're only going to stay here for this period of time. And most people say, yeah. Yeah. They'll yeah, let them not? do that. They stay in apartment buildings for the same thing. Uh, they don't squat necessarily. They get permission. They're not, yeah. they're not technically bad people. Um, family members still try and bring back their loved ones who join the cult. Stories from parents of children with promising futures are abundant. And most people who were worried about their children's future, one of the most heartbreaking things is almost all of them. Because there was, I read a bunch. Mm-hmm. I read several stories of people whose children were just gone and they didn't know what happened. And then they found out and they can't find their children because they the letter that they got sent was from like over here and you go over there. They were so good at throwing off tracks is that private investigators would regularly be hired and come up empty handed. Mm-hmm. They're so good at being uh, not being found. Right. Um, and it's so heartbreaking because all of these people, like, you would read interviews and they would, like, at the beginning when the child went missing, they were like, I want him to come back home because he's, like, got to go back to college and get his right. future. And then they would interview them years later and they would say, like, if he would even just, like, call yeah. once, then I could die happy yeah. because Aww. my son is gone. Well, and at a certain point when you've been off the grid for that long, even if you do come home, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there, there's a gap of skills. however many years. There yeah. is, um, I believe it, yeah, it's Alan Larson. Alan Larson, who's uh, one of the previous members, he runs a group helping ex-members who were excommunicated or who chose to leave. Um, he helps them reintroduce themselves into civilization. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So that's... there are resources out there. And that's the other thing is that if you if, if the leader disapproved of you, you were excommunicated, which to them is not being purified, and now you have to go back to living in the end times, you're not going back to civilization. You're going back to evil, and yeah. it's over. So your life is essentially over. Right. So he was really good at making you think that, like, if if you didn't have him, you had nothing. Yeah. Um, One story that really got to me was uh, the story of Patrick Rooney and his father. Patrick Rooney was a competitive skier with no interest in religion before he joined. Uh, And he just dropped out of Humboldt State and disappeared without a trace. They didn't send a letter. They didn't tell anyone what happened. They just found out their son dropped out and was gone. They, the way they found out that he had joined the cult is he found out through somebody, like a roommate, that he had talked to them, mm-hmm. and then he just left. Yeah. And so the, the dad, over several years, kept going out west to try and find him. And in 1996, he traveled deep into the Central Oregon wilderness, and he went to an organiz- like um, a festival that was sometimes known to have members of the brethren there preaching. Mm-hmm. And just by chance, in this huge festival, he found a couple members of the brethren, but not his son. And he talked to one brother who was angered by even the thought of this father being there and told him he needed to leave. And Mr. Rooney said, um, if you see Patrick, can you just tell him to call his mom? And the brother said, I'll pray about it. And the dad went, uh, what does that mean? And the brother said, uh, it means that he would, if he saw Patrick, he would pray to God to determine if God thought it was the right time to tell Patrick this. So basically saying that he, he wouldn't, yeah. he would never would. And as far as they know, uh, Rooney left without ever seeing his son and they've still never seen his son. Jeez. 
Jimmy Roberts died in 2015 from cancer at the age of 76 in Colorado. He was replaced by Jerry Williams, also known as Brother Hastier, one of his original elders. Um, and disappearing students who leave and join the cult still exist. The, the most recent big case was one in Hawaii in 2006 where this person uh, had a really promising future and then just left without a trace. And How'd they were they gone. How'd they get to Hawaii? They have resources. They have people that help them. They also, um, this person left and no one knew what happened. They thought they were kidnapped. And then it turns out they were just part of this cult now. Hmm. And that's it. That's the whole shit. It's Damn. It starts off silly with the silly premise and it gets sad as fuck, man. Yeah, that's super sad. It was really upsetting. That's I did all the, I did the sad, I did the fun part last night and I was like, yeah, the garbage. And then this morning I was like, oh man, this dad, this yeah, poor father. Horrible. <sighs> that is rough. Yeah, I'm sorry to put you guys through this. <laughs> well, it's okay. Our, our next, next one's not going to be fun either. Oh boy. I mean, it's going to be a little fun, but then there's child labor and shit. Buckle up, oh, guys. Cool. We're going through another couple sad weeks. We've got a case of the sads. All right. Well. Better than a case of the SIDS, am I right? Okay. Oh. Better than uh, fish rot. Or what is it? Gill rot? I, I don't know. What disease do fish get? I'm not a fish. That you can prove. I mean, yeah, I don't have gills. I've got lungs. They don't work well, but I've got <laughs> lungs. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Paige. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Ah, 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 you fucking fish. <laughs> All right. Well, if you like my blah, blah, blubbing, um, and you want to hear more of it in various different ways, you can uh, do that by going ahead and following me on the social media, on Instagram, and on Twitter, at Mondo Does Stuff. M-A-N-D-O does stuff and if you like my blah blah blubbing uh you can feel free to follow me on twitter at page wesley on instagram at rampage wesley and if you are in the san diego area oh, and yeah. going to the muller she wrote meetup and show uh we will be there so if you guys want to meet up a little bit ahead of time we're thinking maybe like five thirty-six at don carlos taco shop right across the street from the la jolla comedy store best burritos in the game yeah come on out they put Chris cut fries in their burritos oh, I love it. fucking dank as hell man yeah that's uh july 3rd at 8 p.m at the la jolla blah 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 at the la jolla comedy store correct uh they'll be doing some kind of anniversary show i believe and um i think they're commemorating the hit hundred thousand downloads and some change at this point. I think Ooh. a little bit more. And I believe ticket sales benefit um a couple different charities and mm -hmm. community organization programs. Yeah. So. I just uh what is today? Today is Sunday? Today is Sunday the twenty fourth. So yes. two days ago I saw Jordan of uh from Muller She Wrote and she was uh very excited to have us, very excited for I'm the excited entire thing. Excited to be there. Exactly. So I hope you guys are there. I hope you go to Don Carlos. Uh even if no one shows up, I'm gonna eat five thousand burritos. Yeah, we'll so. be there eating burritos regardless of whether you show up or not. <laughs> of course. Sounds fantastic. 
And Andrea, what you got coming up? Oh, hey, uh, this comes out on Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a couple. If you like my voice, you should follow me at Sundress Comic. You can also listen to my sweet podcast, Andrea Loves Everybody, that both Mato and Paige are on. And everybody loves Andrea Loves Everybody. Oh, you're so sweet. It's a good show. It is a good show. Um, and I also have a few dates coming up. I'll be, uh, if you live in Los Angeles, I'll be at the Open Space Cafe Tuesday the 26th at 7.30 p.m. Or... Thursday the 28th at Villains Tavern at 8 p.m. Or Saturday the 30th at Flappers in Burbank at 9.30 p.m. So if you want to see me do stand-up, come to one of those shows. It'll be super fun. Yeah. And if you want to... you want to if you want to send us something anything um like uh via email or something uh, letters or messages or i don't know i don't know how to communicate properly my words <laughs> my words not blah 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 please, um, please do send us your emails we're the next episode that comes out it pulls heavily from emails oh so, yeah. yes so that'll be great um if you want to do that then go ahead and send an email to cult podcast show at gmail.com or you can tweet us at cult podcast show you can also get us at instagram at cult podcast or you can send us your skull filled with sour cream and titty blood at <laughs> 3756 west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like the shining los angeles california 90065 and we may have gotten some packages that we'll be talking about on our bonus episode yay, yay. they're really ow, cool ow. this was one of the coolest things like i it's so great please if you have other things like the thing that was sent to us please send them to us because it's fantastic i'm excited um also real quick thing uh super big shout out to uh our new member of the cult podcast family we got an intern y'all we got an intern it's our first recruit uh they're leaving their entire family they (laughs) sell all of their possessions we're only going to feed them garbage they have to incel all of their possessions oh that was good uh big shouts out to danielle deluna uh danielle deluna is our new uh intern and she helped with the research for this episode as well as the one who presented it we we were talking about like what episode how i pick the cults and she goes you did those garbage eaters yet and i was like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) they've been on the list for a while we just hadn't got to them yet yeah i had no idea uh she told me about them it was very interesting so thank you so much danielle and welcome to the family yay so let's call this one don't drink the trash juice oh but it's so good Mm. it's just everybody else's old how about with poutine do drink the gravy bad for my heart good for my soul and don't drink the kool-aid Bye. 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 Yeah. Yeah.